morning we're looking at Luke chapter 8 and, and just a little background on this story. This is when Jesus is, uh, he is uh, crossing the Sea of Galilee and, um, you know, I, I, I do want to say, you know, I, I, I was in Israel a n- number of years ago um, and I was at this place. I'll never forget the name of the hotel because it was called the Ron Hotel. Um, and uh, I, I got to stay there. We went in, we checked in, we got there late in the evening, and, and just the hotel was just like right there on the Sea of Galilee. And, um, and that night, just like, uh, you know, this story uh, before the uh, Gadarene uh, demoniac, uh, the disciples were crossing over. Well, our room was probably, uh, I was staying with a guy that used to attend the church, Luke Lufkin. He's a, a doctor in Albuquerque now. He and his uh, family are there. But Luke and I were roommates on this, uh, on this tour. And uh, we'd gone over with a, a Christ for the Nation group. And that night a storm came up. And you could hear the waves kind of clattering and, you know, kind of crashing against the shore. And then all of a sudden, you know, I, I could, there was something that was different about the room. And so I get up to walk to tur- over to turn on the light, and I'm standing in water. I mean, it's like the waves that come over the steps and into our hotel room. And uh, I, I mean, it's just amazing. You know, I'm mean, like, what is going on? I thought, you know, water line's broken or toilet's it's overflowing or something's going wrong. But, you know, I mean, it was just like one of those storms. And, and so, and that's what happened in this story. The disciples are, you know, they're, they're going across and, and there's a great storm and, you know, Jesus is trying to comfort the disciples. And then, you know, after the next night, uh, you know, of, of kind of dealing with that storm, he gets up and kind of calms the sea and the wind and the waves. And, and then he goes and, and, and we just pick up the story. It says, and they sailed to the country of the Gadarenes, which is opposite Galilee. And when he had stepped out on the land, there met him a certain man from the city who had demons for a long time, and he wore no clothes, nor did he uh, live in a house, but in the tombs. Now, you know, they've been, you know, coming through this ocean, and, uh, you know, this guy, just like a, a wild man, a crazy man, screaming and yelling at the top of his voice at Jesus, just kind of comes out of nowhere. And, you know, I thought about that, uh, you know, this morning as I was reading that, and I thought, you know, has anyone seen that ever? And, and then it, the thought occurred to me that maybe some of the women in the congregation may have seen that this morning. You know, a, a wild man screaming loud and crazy and uh, out of his mind um, meets them in the hallway. Um, but, you know, let me just give you a little background on this. You know, the Gadarenes was kind of like a Roman community, and, you know, the Romans, in their pride, I mean, they were very prideful people, very prideful nation. I mean, everything was perfect. I mean, they were perfect in beauty and in uh, education and in strength, and they had no time or no place for someone like a madman coming out of the tombs. And so he was isolated. And I want to just tell you this morning that that is where the enemy does his best work, is if he can get us in isolation. If he can get you away, if he can get you apart from a church or a church group or believers, this is where the enemy does his best work, in isolation, if he can keep you in isolation. And on the other hand, where God does his best work is in fellowship and in community, in church and in families. That's why the enemy hates church and he hates families. He's always trying to, you know, to divide and separate. 
And so uh, we've got, this is the background. Jesus shows up. Here comes this wild man, this crazy guy. You know, they're keeping him in the tombs. And uh, it says that when he, saw, when he sees Jesus, it says he cries out with a loud voice, and he fell down before, before him and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man, for it often seized him, and he was kept under guard, bound with chains and shackles. I mean, just think about it. This guy's he's bad enough. I mean, his situation mentally and physically, he is bad enough, but they want to add more to his bondage and more to his affliction by, you know, putting him in chains and keeping, keeping him in darkness and separated from the community, um, shackled and, and, you know, in these bonds, and he constantly was breaking the bonds. He was driven by demons into the wilderness, and Jesus asked him, what is your name? He said, legion, because many demons had entered him. And by the way, that's a Roman term for about 5,000 soldiers. And they begged him that he would not command them to go out into the abyss. Um, you know, there's, there's a number of words for that in the, in the New Testament. Sheol or Hades or the abyss. The abyss is uh, where uh, many theologians believe that this is where God keeps the, the uh, unclean um, uh, or, or spirits of darkness. It's kind of their imprisonment where he keeps them in the abyss. And uh, we don't know exactly what it is, but we just know that they didn't want to go back to that place. They didn't want to go to the uh, place of the abyss. They, you know, they just begged Jesus. And it says that there was a herd of many swine that were feeding there on the mountain. And so they begged him that he would permit them uh, to enter into them. And he permitted them. And the demons went down out of the man and entered into the swine. And some of the translations say that there were about 2,000, you know, uh, pigs that were there. You know, I... There are a lot of things that Jesus did, a lot of incredible stories that we can read. But, man, wouldn't you have liked to have been there? I mean, just like, I, I want to just, I want to see this. I mean, this is just like, you know, I mean, you got a, a wild man, a crazy man. He's begging for Jesus, you know, uh, don't torment me. The demons are screaming out. I mean, you know, look, you know, we've got... We've got this pretty little European picture of Jesus, you know, uh, gentle Jesus, meek and mild. I want to tell you, this is not gentle Jesus, meek and mild. This is a wild man. He's showing up here. He's facing a man that's got 5,000 demons. I mean, it's all game on. Bring it. Bring it. Right now, bring it. Because we're winning. He's pushing back the forces of darkness. And they're standing there, and there's like, oh, my gosh, you know. And I, I, can you imagine the stories that just circulated? Let's go ahead and read the rest of it, okay? And we can come back and talk about it some more. It says, uh, and he permitted them, the demons, to enter into the, into the swine or into the pigs. And the demons went out of the man, entered the swine. The herd ran violently down a steep place into the lake and drowned. And when those who fed them saw what had happened, they fled and told it to the city and in the country. And then they went out to see what had happened. And they came to Jesus and they found the man from whom the demons had depart, uh, departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. Now think about this for a second. I mean, the Gerasenes, you know, it's, it's probably not a vacation destination, okay? I mean, if you're, if you're at the Sea of Galilee, you know, your wife's not saying, hey, let's go over and check out the Gerasenes. 
You know, no, they're not saying that. It's like there's a wild man there. There's a crazy guy there. Let's don't go. He might jump on us. He might get us. Let's don't go there any place but the garrison. And, but all of a sudden now things have changed. You know, Jesus shows up, and the guy is, now think about this for a second. It says the guy is dressed and in his right mind, and he's sitting at the feet of Jesus. Now, I, you know, think about this. You know, Jesus did this work. He did this incredible spiritual work, but he had to have some help. Where'd those clothes come from? It wasn't Walmart across the street. You know, somebody had to show up. Peter had to give a cloak, or one of the disciples had to say, I, I've got an extra blanket here. I've got something else, you know. I think about, you know, what we do, Steve and Beverly and all of you guys that are involved in the homeless ministry. You know, I mean, it was so neat because I was talking to Steve. Where are you? Steve? Back there in the back. He was telling, sharing a little testimony about, you know, the homeless ministry, I guess, on Saturday that, you know, how that, you know, there were some that were there, they were feeding the homeless, but at the same time, that spiritual work was going on. You know, there was somebody that was praying, they were praying with guys and laying hands on people and getting other people to pray with them, and it all just kind of works and it kind of fits together. And so Jesus is there, and the guy is in his right mind, and he's at the feet of Jesus, and it's just like, the townspeople are showing up. Let's continue to read. It says, they went out to see what had happened. They came to Jesus, found the man whom the demons had departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. They also, who had seen it, told it by what means he had, uh, what, by what means he who had been demon-possessed was healed. They told the whole story. And then the whole multitude of the surrounding region of the Gadarenes uh, ask him to depart from them, for they were seized with great fear. And he got in the boat and returned. Now listen to this right here. I love this part of the story right here. It says, Now the man from whom the demons had departed begged him that he might be with him. He wanted to be a disciple. He wanted to go. He wanted to be with him. But Jesus sent him away saying, Return to your own house and tell what great things God has done for you. And he went his way and proclaimed throughout the whole city what great things Jesus has done for him. Now, can you imagine the story that this guy's going down to the city well and he's sitting there just day after day after day and they're saying, tell us what happened? How did it happen? Tell us the story. What happened? And, and you know, I'm, I'm sure that he probably starts from the beginning. You know, I said, there was a time in my life they chained me up. They beat me. They locked me up. They drove me out of town. I was tormented in my mind. I was in darkness. I was, I was terrified by the demons and the screaming. I was hearing voices, and I was responding to those voices. And then all of a sudden, this man shows up, Jesus. He shows up, and I saw love and compassion in his face, and I didn't know what to expect. And then I heard voices coming out of me and, and screaming and begging not to go into the abyss and, 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 and a voice saying, cast me into the pigs. And, and, and the swine rail ran down over the side of the cliff, and 2,000 pigs were, were killed. And, and, and I'm sure that, you know, I mean, I'm a lover of BLT, so I, I don't think there was a waste that day. I'm sure others, you know, went out and grabbed the, the you know, the pork. Um, that may be where we get that expression, deviled ham. I'm not sure, uh, you know. Uh, but, uh, oh, that was terrible. That was terrible, terrible, terrible. Uh, but, but just think about it. I'm just thinking about this guy that was just like so utterly lost and so just away from people in society and how Jesus shows up in his life and makes a difference. 
And guys, I just want to tell you today that the same God that showed up, you know, 2,000 years ago is here today and can make a difference in our life today. There are several points that I want to just kind of make before we wrap this up. And then I want to, I just, I want our service to be just a little bit different this morning. I want us to be a little more proactive in the service. And so, you know, just don't get nervous. Please don't get nervous. But at the end of the service, I want us to break up in some prayer groups. And I want to pray. I want to pray for our community. You know, um, this, this community had a reputation and it had a reputation for being bad. It had a reputation for being evil. It had a reputation for being unclean. And we see Jesus showing up and changes the whole atmosphere. The whole complexion of the community is changed by simply by what Jesus did. See, I believe that the power of God is here today to change the community that we live in as well. So, um, I, I, like I said, at the end of the service, we're going we're to break up into some small groups. And, and please don't let your heart be racing if you don't feel like praying and you don't feel comfortable. No condemnation. You just sit there and just quietly pray. Somebody in your group will lead out in prayer. And we're going to pray for our, our city and pray for this community. And we want to pray for the families that have been hurt and marred and scarred by this tragic event over this last week. So uh, let me just point out a couple of things. Um, there, Really, there are four views on this, okay? Four, four like, big, broad views when we talk about the, uh, the demonic. And that is no God and no demons. And that is the fastest-growing mindset philosophy in America today, especially among young people. No God, nothing spiritual. No God and no demons. You know, it's just nothing spiritual at all. And then the next uh, mindset or view is big God, but never talk about demons. We don't ever talk about demons. We don't want to talk about demons. You know, we just, we're not going there. Uh, but the Bible says in 1 Peter you know, chapter 5, verse 8, it says, um, listen to this. This is from the message. It says, keep a cool head. I like this. Stay alert. The devil is poised to pounce and would like nothing better than to catch you napping. Keep your guard up. You're not the only ones plunged into these hard times. It's the same with Christians all over the world. So keep a firm grip on the faith. All right? So the Bible does tell us, I, I mean, it, it's something we have to come to reckon with, you know, because eventually we will have to deal, we'll, you'll have a, an encounter uh, with, with temptation, with darkness, with the enemy, with demons, we will have that encounter and we need to ho know how to stand against the enemy. So no God, no demons, big God, don't ever talk about demons. The third point is big God, big demons. How many of you ever read the, um, this, what's it called, this present darkness, kind of uh, uh, is, that, is that what it was? About 15, 20 years ago. Real popular book. It was kind of, it was like a, a fiction, fiction book. And in that series, uh, Frank Freddy, I think is the guy's name. Uh, in that series, you know, the, it, of course it was fiction, but it goes like this. But if you get up in the morning and you pray real hard and you read your Bible and, uh, you know, you make a real serious commitment to God, that what you've done is you've strengthened your angel. Okay, and you got an angel and, and you've given him power. But if you get up in the morning and you fail to read the Bible and you fail to pray, then you got about a hundred pound weakling for an angel and he's just getting kicked all over the place all day long. Okay, so it's really up to you. All right, so those are three, three points. And then the fourth one is, um, you know, um, and this is one that I believe that is most scriptural, big God and defeated demons. Okay, 
And, and that's what I believe, you know, uh, listen, you know, we, I, I, sometimes when we read the Word of God, I think, we think that, whew, God goes back to his corner just wiping his brow. Man, that was a tough one. But I, I want to tell you guys, it's not like that at all. God has never lost a fight. He has never lost a fight. He's never even come close to losing a fight. Okay, we got a big God, and we got defeated demons, and they even got more defeated by the, I mean, it it was defeated demons before Jesus even went to the cross, okay, more defeated after Jesus went to the cross, the the death, burial, and resurrection, so that uh, the ideal that God is vulnerable is bad theology, he's not vulnerable, okay, he has authority, and I want to just kind of, I'm going to move through these quickly, in Luke chapter 8, it says, verse 31, it says, I-, I want you to see that God, that Jesus has authority. They begged him that he would not command them to go to the abyss. Now, a herd of many swine was feeding there on the mountain, and they begged him that he would, uh, would permit them to enter into the, the swine, and he permitted them. And the demons went out of the man and entered into the swine. The herd ran violently down, the, uh, down to the steep place into the lake, and they drowned. Now, Notice this, in Mark chapter 1, this is the theme throughout the scripture. The people were so amazed, and they asked each other, what is this, a new teaching? And with authority, with authority, he even gives orders to the evil spirits, and they obey him. And then we read, we see, he says, and I saw an angel coming down from heaven. I like this right here, because when we talk about, you know, it sounds like it's a big fight, it sounds like it's a big battle, but... Notice this, one angel, and it doesn't even give him a name. It's not Michael, it's not, you know, Gabriel. It's just, oh, I saw an angel coming out of heaven, having the key to the abyss, holding in his hand a great chain, and he seized the dragon, that ancient serpent who is the devil or Satan, and bound him a thousand years. He threw him into the abyss and locked it and sealed it over him to keep him from deceiving the nations anymore until a thousand years were ended. One angel gets the devil right here by the neck, and I'm I'm sure that, you know, all right, this is just me, okay? But before he goes in, I'm sure it's like... (laughs) All right, that's just me. That's just me, but I'm thinking... I don't know. I just I like a, ugh, all right? Kind of like Moises uh, in that uh, drama on Easter. That little, <laughs> If you missed it, it was great. Moises, you did a good job. All right, so he, he has authority. He's given us authority. In Mark chapter 6, now notice this. And Jesus went around teaching from village to village, calling the 12 to him, and he sent them out two by two and gave them authority over evil spirits. In Matthew 28, he says, all authority, and the implication here is that all authority in in heaven and earth has been given to me, and now I'm giving you, I'm giving you the same authority that I have. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the end of the age. And James tells us, to resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Ephesians tells us to not give uh, the devil a foothold in our life. How do we do that? Well, we can do it a number of ways, through bitterness, through unforgiveness, um, through anger. Um, The Bible, in that same passage of Scripture, it says don't let the sun go down on your anger or your wrath. Uh, So what James is saying is don't open the door for the enemy because, you know, he will come in. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, it says... uh, well, uh, I'm sorry, uh, 
put on the, this is Ephesians 6, uh, it says put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers. This is talking about governmental darkness. This is talking about there's, there's, there are ranks um, within the, the demonic forces. And he says, don't, uh, our, our struggle is against flesh and blood, or not against flesh and blood, but against rulers and against authorities and against powers of this dark world and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm, Ephesians 6, 11. And then finally, I, I want us to just kind of look at this, and I, I want you to see, you know, the compassion that Jesus has. When Jesus calls him, he asks him, he says, what is your name? I don't think at this point he's, he's speaking to the man. All right, he's speaking to this man, and the man replies, Legion. And what I see here is Jesus, th this guy that has been an outcast by everyone in this community. He has been driven to the tombs. He has been wrapped in chains and in bondage and in darkness and cast out. And Jesus asked him, what is your name? And I think by saying that, Jesus is giving this guy his dignity back. He's giving him his dignity back. What is your name? You have a name. You're an individual. You're a person. And I'm concerned about you. I'm concerned about what you're going through right now. And we're going to deal with this. Okay? And he says, legion, because many demons had entered in him. And notice the compassion. It's kind of interesting. Benji used the scripture, I think, um, this morning. It's kind of like both of us had it in our outlines without knowing the other had it. Um, Mark 1, he says, filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. This is the man that uh, had the leprosy. And the man, remember the question, he said, Lord, if you're willing, if you're willing, Lord, uh, I can be clean. And Jesus said, I am. I am willing. Be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was cured. And then we see finally in Matthew chapter 20, Jesus stopped and called them, the two blind men. What do you want me to do for you, he asked. Lord, they answered, we want our sight. And Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. And immediately they received their sight and they followed him. I want to just tell you, the Bible says the God that we serve. Malachi says, in the book of Malachi, he says, I'm the Lord God, I don't change. The book of Hebrews says, he says, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I want to just tell you that, you know, the, the same heart, the same compassion that he had 2,000 years ago when he dealt with the leper, when he dealt with these blind men, when he dealt with this man, uh, um, the Gadarene demoniac, when he deals with him, he has the same heart, the same compassion. He has that same compassion and same heart today. And he is concerned about you and what you're going through. And your situation may not be as severe as what this man was going through, but I'm going to tell you what, I know that we have brokenness. All of us have some area of brokenness in our hearts and our lives. All of us have some area that we just we're struggling with that we can't we seem to be kind of like that same man we're in bondage or there's some chains that keep us from being all that God wants us to do and I believe that the Spirit of God is here this morning to say I can set you free I've come to set the captive free and I want to set you free today